Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, November the 20th, 2023. And I am delighted to be back with you all. I hope that everybody had a wonderful weekend. And my goodness, if you came out to Old Providence, whoo, what a time we had. We served, I don't even know the, the final count, well over 400 people. Um, it was an extremely successful fundraiser. So if you were one of those that came out and supported us. We are so grateful. And again, for you old Providence people, I cannot begin to say thank you enough for all the work that you all did. And the youth group did a fabulous job. And um, it was a good weekend. It's a long weekend at some points. I, I figured out I'm never going to be a traffic director for a living, but that's okay. We, uh, we all made it through nonetheless. It's good to be back with y'all this week. And of course, let me say to you, happy Thanksgiving, because hey, it'll be here in just a few days. Um, and speaking of just a few days, very soon now, we are going to be taking our break from daily devotionals. In fact, this week is the last week, y'all. We take uh, we take December off for Wednesday night also, so if you tune into these, um, don't come to prayer meeting, though I believe our Christmas dinner is December the 13th, and you'd be welcome to come to that. Love to have you. But we are going to be taking off daily devotionals until the new year. In fact, this year as it works out, I'm, I'm going to be gone the first week in January, get back in the second week. So we're going to be taking off until January the 15th. Now let me be clear. I am not taking off work until January the 15th. Um, instead, we just want to have daily devotionals during that time. But I will miss y'all, and I will look forward to getting back together with you um, in the new year. But just be aware. So let's get to it for today, though, because we get some ground to cover, y'all. Today, we are really going to make some way in chapter 17. Maybe just maybe we'll finish it. Do you remember where we left off? We left off um, last week. We, we got through verse 26 of Acts chapter 17. And, and really, we just talked about what's going on. Not just what's going on in Acts, but what's going on in the world around us. And what I tried to do was link Acts chapter 17 to Romans chapter 1 that talks about God's wrath being poured out. Why? Because the world has rejected the truth, embraced perversion, rejected God, and made gods for themselves out of all sorts of different things. That's what's going on in, in Acts chapter 17. That's what's going on in the Roman Empire. Of course, the background of this at the beginning of chapter 17 is when Paul goes to Athens, kind of the hub of, of Grecian philosophy, the hub of Roman thought, right? And he sees the great number of idols and the wickedness of society, and he's, he's greatly distressed over this. And his response to being greatly distressed is not to get on social media, it's not to do any of that stuff, it's to tell people about Jesus. So the Stoics and the Epicureans, philosophers, both, they take him to a place called the Areopagus, which was a hill in Athens. It's where all the great debates took place, all the great philosophy discussions took place, all the philosophers and their students were there. And they said, hey, tell us, tell us what this is that you're talking about here. And where we got to last time as we continued through his talk to the Areopagus. Um, now, where we're picking up today is verse 27, and it says, God did this. Well, what does he mean there? He's talking about how God put men where he put men, how he's sovereign over all things in the world, including where people are. And he's going to tell us some explanation for as to why God did what he did. But 
I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's pray and then we'll dig in. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us and we ask that you would bless us in it. Um, work in our hearts that we would see the, the impact of, of knowing and loving and trusting in you that we would do it all the more. And as we talk today about who you are, about what you do for us, especially as it's Thanksgiving week, give us hearts filled with gratitude. Please guide us now in this time and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're picking up in verse 27. I've already explained that God did this part, but picking up in verse 27, it says, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. What Paul is talking about here is the progression of human society and the rationale If you go back to verse 26, for from one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. What he's doing is he's talking about God's redemptive plan here, that God in his wisdom put people where he put people for the overall purpose that they would seek him, that they would look for him. Now, Something very powerful is said in light of this. Did you catch it at the end of the verse? Perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. You know, what Paul is really getting at here is the spiritual condition of humankind. There are many other passages where he talks about this, but he's pointing to the fact that we are dead apart from Christ. The Bible has many metaphors for us, right? Ears that won't hear. Hearts of stone, not hearts of flesh. Eyes that cannot see, covered with scales. Because we have hearts of stone, we're dead in our transgressions and in our sins. But what's revealed here is God's desire for all to come to him. Will all come? No, no, he doesn't enable all to come. Um, But we're getting into that grand mystery of predestination and election where I can tell you this, rest assured, nobody ever goes to hell that doesn't want to. Nobody ever goes to hell that has not soundly rejected God. But nevertheless, it is that desire that is revealed here on God's part, that desire for people to come to him, and he is not far away. And then Paul explains why this is. While it's true that God's love is powerful, it comes us all, this really gets down to the core of God being the creator and we being the created, and as human beings being created in his image for that matter. He says, for in him, verse 28, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now, to you and me that read this, it's like, oh, okay, that that sounds a little poetic. You know, what's Paul doing here? Well, if you notice in your Bibles, there are quotes there, two of them. As a matter of fact, the first one is, for in him we live and move and have our being. The second one is, we are his offspring. Now, it's interesting. I had to write this down, and you'll have to to forgive me. Greek names can be tricky, okay? The first one, right, about, for in him we live and move and have our being, what he's doing is he's quoting a Cretan philosopher and poet named Epimenides. 
Epimenides. Yeah, it's, it's Greek. Well, what can you do? Well, it's, it's Cretan and, and Cretan in that point. But Epimenides, and the quote is, they fashioned a tomb for thee, O holy and high one. The Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies, but thou art not dead. Thou livest and abidest forever, for in thee we live and move and have our being. Sound familiar? That's what Paul just quoted, but he's saying, hey, this isn't about Zeus. It isn't about one of your gods. It's about the one true and living God. And then that next quote, we are his offspring. It comes from, a, from another philosopher and poet named Aratus, A-R-A-T-U-S. Now, he himself was a Stoic, okay? Rewind it back to last week, right? We know the Epicureans and the Stoics were the ones that actually invited Paul to the Areopagus. And the Stoic, it's a philosophy, but really it was a faith. It stemmed from the idea that every single human being ultimately is a child of Zeus. Now, Zeus was the highest god in the Greek pantheon and the highest god in the Roman pantheon. And the logic was simple. He's the best and biggest God. He's the one that's created us, so we all belong to him ultimately. But what Paul has done here is, he said to them, hey, guys, no, it's not about Zeus. Remember last week he said, you've got this altar to an unknown God. Well, let me tell you about him. He's the God of heaven and earth. He's the God that, that formed everything. He's the one that placed us where we place us. And what he's doing here is he's taking their philosophy He's taking their poetry and he is applying it to actual truth. As a side note, that was a good way to engage people 2,000 years ago. It's also a good way to engage people today. And no, I'm not telling you that you have to learn the lyrics to every Taylor Swift song or anything like that, but to take popular philosophy, popular art, y'all, read a book every once in a while, right? To be able to engage with people over the culture that we're actually in and redeem that culture is so very important. You know, that sticking our head in the, stand, in the sand, not a good idea. And, and it's not about credibility with the people around you. It's not about credibility with the world or anything like that. It's simply learning how to reach out to people, okay? So keep that in mind. That's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, hey, this is from your own culture, your own philosophy, your own poetry. But let me tell you the truth about it. And in telling them the truth, verse 29, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. You get what he's doing? He's seen all the idols around Athens and he's saying, hey, we're the children of God. What are you doing worshiping things that we've made? Why not worship God? Verse 30, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him up from the dead. Y'all, a real paradigm shift is presented here. Do you realize that? You know, this is not, it's not that what Paul is saying here is that at one point God was a universalist and he just ignored sin and that kind of stuff. No, what he's saying here, if you, you know, you know, read between the lines here, read between the lines, what he's saying here is, guys, the clock is ticking. 
In the past, everything has been pointing forward to the Messiah, the one that he sent. But now he sent him. Now he's back with him. But he's coming back. And when he does, it's too late. Oh, it's too late to turn to him. It's over. So turn to him now. Again, verse 31, he has set a day when he will judge. Side note, this whole business of God in the Old Testament being the the oppressive one, the, the, the stern one, and Jesus being the I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, God. Uh-uh, no, sorry. This idea that Jesus would never judge anybody, that doesn't match up with what we just read. Jesus is the one that's coming back, and Jesus is going to judge. He's the man that was appointed. And it says he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, that's the gospel, y'all. That's the gospel. Do you understand that? That Jesus has come. That God has affirmed that he is the Messiah, the only means by which you and I can be saved. And do you understand that he's coming back? If your answer is, yes, I understand that, that's why I trust in him. Great, perfect, wonderful. But if you understand this, then there's an application for you and me today, and it is this. If we really believe that he's coming back and that he's coming back to judge, and when that happens, those who don't know him are bound for an eternity of separation from him, Shouldn't that be a prompting to us to get serious about telling others about him? Shouldn't that be a prompting to us to to really get motivated to tell the truth about who Jesus is to engage with the world around us? Yes, it is. And if you doubt that, consider how they responded. Verse 32, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear what, or we want to hear you again on this subject. Again, remember what he's doing here. He's addressing the philosophers, right? There was an entire contingent of philosophy that believed the natural body was all that there ever was, and there's no such thing as the resurrection of the dead. They, they, they sneered at this. They just could not even accept this. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Well, you might wonder. Well, why would he leave if a few of them said, no, 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 we we want to hear more on this. Well, remember who he's dealing with. These are the Athenian philosophers. Verse 21, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. You see, Paul could read through this. The Holy Spirit guided him on when to leave. You follow that throughout his ministry. He knew when it was time because he listened to the Holy Spirit. And when they said, no, 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 we want to hear more on this. They just wanted to hear philosophy. A result is verse 34, a few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. It is fascinating. You know, the, the end result is that a few came. A few listened and Paul moved on. It's indicative of what we just read in verse 21 that all they really cared about was ideas. They they were still stuck in the same place they were before Paul got there. Paul, arguably the greatest preacher that's ever lived outside of Jesus. Side note, it don't matter how good your preacher is. If the Holy Spirit ain't in it, forget about it. Forget about it. 
Paul understood that. But the ironic thing here is who believed, right? Dionysius. Um, Dionysius was the Greek god of wine and fertility. The Roman one would be called Bacchus. That's where we get the term debauchery from. And a man named Dionysius and a, and a member of the Areopagus and a woman named Damaris and a number of others came to know him. But y'all, if you doubt what I'm saying here about how this should be a prompting, how our devotional thought for today, our, our devotional push for today is about how this should be a prompting, the fact that Jesus is coming back should prompt us to get out there and tell people, to love people enough to tell them the truth. We need only look at what happened here. The world is conflicted, y'all. I mean, really and truly, the world is is terribly conflicted. It, it puts on such a good show. I talked about this in my sermon on Sunday. The world puts on a really good show of being kind and tolerant, but we know better. They know better too. Cancel culture is not just about politics. It's about a world that's devouring itself. Why? Because it doesn't know the truth. Because it's lost and it's wandering. As it was with Athens, Paul was greatly distressed over the world he saw around him. So he was prompted to tell the truth. May it be the same for you and me. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and I pray your blessings on it. Work in our hearts. Don't let us be comfortable. Instead, let us push forward, seeking your face, telling others of you. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. As always, if I can do anything for you, just let me know. But remember, we are not having prayer meeting this coming Wednesday night. Thanksgiving is Thursday. Um, but anyway, again, feel free to reach out if I can do anything for you. Until we meet again, have a great Monday.